Hey, well, welcome to the Ridge. Man, I am so glad that y'all are here this morning. For those of you that are worshiping with us live, I'm so glad that y'all registered and are with us. And for those of you that are online, man, I'm so glad that y'all chose to worship with us out of everywhere you could be online. And today is week number two in the series that we started last week called The Perfect Fit. I am so excited about this morning. I'm so excited to jump into today's message. And I, I want to talk... Um, I want to talk about finding that perfect fit. And I was thinking about this yesterday when it comes to home improvement because Shannon and I have been doing what a lot of people have been doing right now. We have been focusing a lot on our house because we're all stuck inside still a little bit. So, you know, we're looking at the four walls and we're like, what can we do? What can we change? Yesterday, we started a little project on the bathroom and I learned I am no longer allowed to do any plumbing work. Like it's just out of the question, not even, and I'll share that. I'm still kind of... Uh, shaking a little bit from all that that happened yesterday, but that's okay. We, we made it through, but I'll share more about that later. But I was thinking about that yesterday when um, I go to the Home Depot a lot when we do projects at the house because Shannon sends me to the Home Depot. Now, if you know anything about our relationship, you know that Shannon is the handy one. Like, she's the one that does most of the work, and I'm the one, I'm the errand guy. Like, I run to the store and get the supplies that she needs. And we knew that our relationship was a little different in that regard. Um, one time we were, uh, for those of y'all that know me, you may remember the story, but one time we were camping with the girls, and I realized our roles were a little bit reversed when I looked up and I was the one making peanut butter and jelly sandwiches for the family, and she was the one building the fire. And I was like, isn't this, like, this is, like, shouldn't we, you know, but I'm cool if you're cool. And we were like, yeah, that's okay. So anyway, that's just kind of how it is. So now, like, she does a lot of the work, and she'll send me. And what I have learned is in that building process is that when I go to the Home Depot, what I need is I need a very specific, a very accurate, and very detailed list. And I get all the information I can, and then I take that list, and when I walk into that store, I find the first man or woman wearing an orange apron, and I hand them that list. And then I'm like, that, you know, my having a good day for the rest of today, you know, it all relies on you getting this information correct, right? So now it's in your hands. And inevitably, they'll ask me a question about whatever we're doing, and I'll say, you know what? That is a good question. What does the list say? Let's see. You know, let's, let's look at the list together. Because I don't know anything about this. But I do know one thing. Here's what I do know. I know that whatever's on that list, it's got to be exactly right. You know, whether you're looking for the right screws or the right boards or from what I'm learned yesterday, the right plumbing attachments, um, the right electrical cords, all that stuff, man, it's got to be the perfect fit. Otherwise, you're going to be going back and forth to the store all day long. Finding the right fit is important in life. It just is. Um, Finding the right fit is important when it comes to life too, right? Because no matter who you are, no matter where you are in life, no matter how old or young you are, chances are you've had that question and you face that question a lot, right? Like, how do I fit in in this situation? Like, how do I fit in at work because I got a new boss? How do I fit into my family or my marriage because, you know, things just aren't working right? How do I fit in with the church family? Where, where do I use my gifts? You know, how do, I, how do I fit in with my kids because every stage that they go through is a little bit different and I don't know what's expected of me. You know, things change over time. But one thing that I found that we all struggle with sooner or later 
and we tend to struggle with this from time to time, is where do I fit in with God? Like, where do I fit in with him and his plan and his purpose for me? Like, what does God want for me? Or what does God want from me? Like, how do I live into that? Like, God, what do you want for me right now? And this is something that we all struggle with, and it's a big deal. And it's so important that we understand because last week, here's where we started, okay? If you missed last week, we started with the fact that God has called you. Like God has called you, God has called, God has a calling for all of us. Not only that, but he calls us by name. And when we understand that God calls out to us, like that God has a specific plan and purpose for your life. He knows exactly what you need to do next. Like when you understand that and when you get the fact that God calls you, it gives you hope. And Paul says, you know what? It's not even that it gives you hope. It gives you this kind of confident hope. Like I know, like I know this is my fit. Like I know this is what God wants for me next. So I'm ready to move forward. So last week we talked about that calling and we talked about how God calls to all of us. He calls to you before you even know who God is. He calls to every, Scripture says he calls to everyone to be saved. Not this whole idea that God chooses some to be saved and some, no, 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 no. He calls to everyone to be saved. He wants that. And we're gonna, we're gonna talk more about why that's so important today, why he wants everybody to be saved through his son Jesus. And then not only that, once you're saved, he keeps calling to you to transform your life, to make you more into Jesus, to do great things. Not just for you so that you can have a great life. No, 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 for his glory. Because he wants to showcase who he is through your life. And then when your life is done and you think that there's no more calling on your life, guess what? He calls you home. Like he calls you to be in eternity into heaven with him. This idea that God calls to every person that he knows you by name, that he knows how many hairs are on your head, like he knows you that intimately, it's, it's a big deal. And if you missed that message last week, you can go catch it online and catch up while you're walking or on your drive to work or whatever this week. But, but for today, I want to keep that conversation going, okay? I want to keep talking about his perfect plan for us. And to understand God's perfect plan for us, we've got to talk about God's love, okay? Because one thing that we know of when it comes to God, okay, we, we may not have all the questions answered, right? We may not know everything, but here's one thing that we can be sure of. Is that not only does God have love, not only does God give love, not only does God show love, here's, here's the idea. God is love. Love is his very nature. Love is the very character of God. Listen, in understanding how we fit into God, we gotta understand God's Love, because the Bible says, and, and this is a big deal, God created everything out of his love. He created. He put all this into motion out of love. You know, we joke sometimes about, you know, when you bake something. Like, we're, we are totally convinced that Abby's cookies are the best cookies in the world. And I think I've told you that before. She makes the most fantastic chocolate chip cookies. Uh, and we always want to know, she's got this little secret about what she does, you know. And when you sit down at the table and somebody has cooked something or prepared something, you're like, oh my gosh, this is the best spaghetti. This is the, you know, best whatever. You want to know, like, how did you make it? And then we always joke, well, we put a little love into it, right? Like, we bake that with love. This, this is no joke here. Like, it's out of God's love that he actually began creating 
the reason that God made you, okay, the reason that God made me, the, the reason that he made anyone is to love them so that you could experience his love so that you could be in a relationship with him. And some of you might be saying, well, well where do you get that from? Like, well, where do we find that in the Bible? Well, let me share this first piece of scripture with you. We're going to break this up into a couple of sections, but it comes from Ephesians 1, 4 through 5. So if you've got your message notes on the app, go ahead and pull those out. Open that up. We're going to start diving in. Uh, for those of you who are online, you can download the app real quick and find those message notes on there as well, okay? But look, let's look at this together, okay? Um, Paul says this to the church in Ephesus. He says, even before he, God, made the world, God loved us and chose us. Okay, pause real quick. Even before God create, started the creation process, even before he started thinking about how hot the sun should be, like where the stars are going to be placed in the sky, like how the atmosphere is going to work so that life could exist. Even before, even before any of that happened, God chose you. God knew you and God loved you, right? I mean, think of it this way. If God didn't want to love you, if God didn't want to be in a relationship with you, then why do all this? Like, what's the, what's the point like, what's the point of, of the world and creating all of this if his point wasn't to be glorified through it and, and to bring us into a relationship with him, right? So, so keep reading. It says this, the next part. It says, God loved us and chose us in Christ to be holy and with, without fault in his eyes. Okay, pause right here because there's, there's, a, there's a problem. And the problem lies in our fault, with God. God, when he began creating the world, he knew ahead of time that he was going to love you so much, but he knew that there was going to be a problem. And the problem was sin. Sin was going to separate you from being in God's presence. Sin was going to be a big problem. And so God began to put the wheels in motion. Even before the creation process, he knew the plan that he had in mind to send his son, Jesus Christ, to die for our sins, right? So, so that we could then have our sins removed because the problem is God is a holy God and we can't be in the presence of a holy God because of our fault, because of our sin. And so God says, all right, I, I love you so much. I'm creating all of this. I'm putting you here. So I got a plan in place and here's what I'm gonna do. I'm gonna send my son to die so that I could choose you to be in my presence. He wants us without sin. So the next part of this, God decided in advance to adopt us into his own family by bringing us to himself through Jesus Christ. So here we go. It's all part of the plan. And here's the big part. God wants to build a family. Like focus on that. He decided in advance to do what with you. He calls to you. He loves you. For, for what reason? To bring you into his own family. Like God is doing everything he can to bring, to love us so much that we are in his family. And then keep reading the last part. It says, this is what he wanted to do and it gave him great pleasure. I love that part, the big plan. God put all this in motion. God started creating. God made us to love us and to bring us into a relationship with him. And everything he did, it made him happy. Like every part of it. As far as getting to know you and creating you and love you, man, it brings him pleasure. So the first part we got to understand, last week we talked about the fact that God calls you, but the first part of really figuring out how you fit in with God is to understand God's love. You got to understand that you were made by God to be, to be loved by him and to be in a relationship with him. I mean, let that sink in for a minute. 
I mean, the first thought God had when he made you, it wasn't what you could do for him. It wasn't how you could obey him. It wasn't what you could do next for him. No, 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 no. His first thought in creating you was to love you. You see, when we, the problem is we forget this, right? We go throughout our day and we forget just how much God loves us. And if we just pause on a daily basis and just took a few minutes to remind ourselves where we fit into God's plan with his love, it changes things. And it transforms our life. Because here's why. It's because so many times people try to, try to turn Christianity into a religion, right? And that's where we mess up. Christianity isn't just a religion. It's not about what to do or where to be. or You know, it's not just about attending church on Sunday mornings, although that's important. You know, it's not just about those things. No, no, no. Christianity isn't a religion. It's a relationship. It's where you get to have a relationship with the very God that created everything. And when you get that, and when you understand that, and when you remember that on a daily basis, when you remind yourself of that, guess what? It changes things because then you begin to understand where you fit in and what God wants next. The beauty of all of this is that, again, it gives him pleasure to be a part of his family. And that's what he wants. And this changes things. In fact, it was such a big change for the, for the disciple John when he wrote about it. Let me, show, let me show you what John says in 1 John 3, 1. He says this, See what great love the Father has lavished on us, that we should be called children of God, and that is what you are. Notice two things here in this verse that I love so much. Two exclamation points right there. You know, when I text people, I use a lot of exclamation points. And people ask me, it's like, why do you use so many of those, right? And it's like, because I'm genuinely excited about everything. <laughs> and that comes through. Listen, John, when John writes this chapter, when you go and read this chapter, there's no other exclamation points in the entire chapter just here. And there's two of them. Why? Because he is excited. When he thinks about God's love, when he's reminded about being in the family, that we are called children of God, that God loves us and calls to us and brings us in. Man, and when you get it, John is trying to tell these people that he's writing to the letter that he has written. He's like, when you get it, when you understand it, you can't help but be excited about it. So here's the deal. Your biggest accomplishment in life isn't just to make something of yourself. Your biggest accomplishment, your perfect fit isn't just to, you know, do something more, to have more likes on Facebook, or just to have fun on the weekends. Your number one purpose, how you fit into God, is understanding that you are made to be loved by Him, and that you're made to be in a relationship with Him. And it's important. And here's why it's important. It's because when you understand that, like when that really begins to sink in, it does things in your life. It radically changes things in your life. Let, let me share those with you. Let's go on to our first point. I want, I want to share with you um, point number one. When I remember God loves me, like when I do that on a daily basis, when, I, when I'm remembering that, number one, I feel accepted and not ashamed. Like I begin to realize that I am accepted and not ashamed. You see, the, the reason this is such a good point to bring up is because so many people they go through their life trying to avoid God. Or, or maybe you wouldn't put yourself on the spectrum as far as like uh, going all the way over to totally avoid God because of what you've done, but maybe it's just something you've done recently and you're trying to avoid talking to God or you just feel kind of out of sorts with God right now because why? Because you're ashamed. 
And most people, they feel ashamed and they feel guilty and they feel judged and they feel criticized. And they think to themselves, like, I get that from everywhere else. Why wouldn't I, like, what, what else would I expect from a holy God, from a God? Why would I want to be in a relationship with a perfect God when all that's gonna do is remind me of how I messed up and what I did and what I've done? You know what Jesus said one time? In John chapter three, right before he says the most famous Bible verse, John three sixteen, he says, I haven't come into the world to condemn the world. Like that's not, Jesus was like, that's not my point. It's just to condemn everybody for what they've done and make them feel ashamed all the time. I think the best example of this was the woman at the well in John chapter four. Do y'all, do y'all remember the woman at the well in John chapter four? She would go to the well during the hottest point of the day. Why? Because she was ashamed. She went alone because normally when she went and everybody else was there, all they did was criticize her. All they did was mock her. All they did was judge her because of her past affairs. And so she chose to go alone because she felt ashamed and unloved. And one day when she goes to the well, Jesus is there. And Jesus talks to her. And in in this moment, something different happens. And she suddenly starts to feel loved and, and accepted when she never has before. And it changed. It changed everything for her. Let me share an important Bible verse with you from Romans 8, 33 through 34. And it's a big one, okay? I know this is small print for everybody in here. I'm gonna work through this. I'm gonna read this together, okay? Who would dare tangle with God by messing with one of God's chosen? Okay, this word chosen, it also, in the Greek, it could also mean whose God has accepted, okay? Who God has accepted. Okay, who dare even point a finger at one of those that God has chosen or accepted? The one who died for us, Jesus, who was raised to life for us, is in the very presence of God at this moment, sticking up for us. Jesus goes to God on our behalf. Do you think anyone is going to be able to drive a wedge between us and Christ's love for us? There is no way that's gonna happen. I love this. Again, exclamation points everywhere when it's talking about God's love, right? It's a big deal. And you know why this is so important for us to get and to understand? It's because all the time, what do we do? We live for the approval of other people. Okay, it's why we dress the way we do. It's why we say the things that we say. It's why we post the things we post online is because we want other people to accept us and to like us. The problem is, is that people tend to be unpleasable, right? Sometimes we work and we work and we work and we try and we try and we try and we have nothing to show for it. But when you know that God loves you, when you remember that you're accepted and you don't have to feel ashamed anymore, I suddenly don't have to try to be somebody that I'm not. There's, there's freedom in that. Because then who cares what other people think? Who cares what other people say? As this verse says, even if they point fingers at me, you know, point and, and laugh and criticize and judge me, that doesn't matter because this verse says nothing can drive a wedge between me and God, because, uh, the love that he has for me. So you know what, maybe, maybe I shouldn't be so concerned with winning other people's approval as much as I should be just reminding myself that God has already loved me. God has already approved. He has already accepted me. And I should rest in that. You know what? Back to that story of the woman at the well. 
Do you know what happened to her? When she realized that she was loved and accepted, she didn't feel any more shame. There was no more shame in her game. She immediately went back to her town and she didn't care who she saw, but she told everybody she could that there's this guy named Jesus. And guess what? He loves me and he's accepted me no matter what any of y'all think about me. See, that changes things. Point number two is this. Point number two is I can ask God for anything. When I remember how much he loves me and that I'm part of his family, then I can ask for anything. Why? Because I am a son or I am a daughter of God. You know, when my kids are little, they come to me and, well, they still do, honestly. They ask me for all kinds of stuff. But when they're little, right, they ask me for stuff because they assume that I had everything, right? Or they would ask me questions that are hard. You know those questions a kid asks, you know, that you don't know the answer to, but they assume that you do because they assume that you know everything, right? They, they assume that you could buy anything. So they ask you for everything when you know that's not true, and I know that's not true. But that's, that's what it's like to be a child and to be able to come to a parent, Right? God wants that same kind of childlike nature from us to ask him, to come to him, because guess what? He does have everything, and he does know everything. Romans 8, it puts it this way. Romans 8 says, those who are led by the Spirit of God are children of God. We are all God's children. If we're led by the Spirit, if we accepted Christ, the Holy Spirit that is in you, it makes you God's adopted child. By the Spirit's power, we call out Abba, and Abba means Father, okay? Not the band, okay? Kind of like last week. If you're old, you know who that is. Um, But it actually means Father, Abba, okay? This is the term that every child, Abba is the term that every child in the Middle East would have used when they were going to their, it actually means daddy. Like it means it's, it's, it's that, you know, personal. In other words, when you come to God, He wants you to come to him that way as though you're calling him Father. In fact, when Jesus taught us to pray the Lord's Prayer, what does he start off with? He starts off with our Father who art in heaven, right? He's like, listen, I want you to approach God as your perfect heavenly Father. When you come to him, that means that you don't use fancy words. That means you don't have to have your act together. I mean, think about it. When you go to your dad and you ask him for things, it's not like my kids. It's not like they come to me and they're like, oh, gracious leader of the McElrath household. You've heard me say this before, right? They're not like, thou wonderful keeper of the McElrath funds. Might I inquire $10 for tonight's Friday night football gamemanship? I would be like, child, are you sick? Do you got corona? Come here, child. What is wrong? Too soon? Can I check? Anyway, sorry. Um, but listen, they don't come to me like that, do they? No. No. They, they come and they just ask. They're like, Dad, that's this what? Or better yet, they go and they ask their mama. They know they got a better chance there, right? But anyway, they come to me. And they come to me with just normal language. I always think about the time that Jesus was really busy in the Gospels. And the disciples tried to keep the parents from bringing their kids to them. You know, and they, they kind of like acted like bouncers and they were standing out there and they were like, no, 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 Jesus is too busy. He can't be bothered right now. And Jesus was like, no, 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 no. Let them come to me. And so there's this beautiful picture of Jesus sitting there with all the children. And what was his point? He, he had a point in doing that. And his point was this. He was like, you need to become like this. 
Jesus was like, unless you understand what it means to come to me with a childlike faith, then you'll never understand what it means to be a part of God's kingdom. Because this is what I expect you to be like. This is how I expect you to come to me. So when I realize that I'm loved by God and that I'm accepted and I'm a part of his family, then that means that I gotta have a childlike faith and I can come to him anytime, anywhere, and ask him for anything, and I have the assurance that he hears me because he loves me. Point number three. Point number three is this. I receive peace in the middle of pain. And here's what I mean by that. You're going to have a lot of things happen in life that you don't understand. Okay, things are going to be painful. We've got a lot of questions as we go through life. And those questions uh, in life where we just look up to God and we're like, why here? Why now? Why this? Why is this happening, God? And, and, And sometimes we want to know and we have this deep desire to know the explanation. But you know what? Even if we have the explanation, even if we had an answer, guess what? It probably wouldn't even give you peace. I mean, even if you did understand even if you did have an answer for it, it still might not bring peace into that situation, the peace that we're looking for. It probably wouldn't make us any happier. Explanations don't always bring comfort, and we know this. I would say that what we need so much is not such an explanation as much as it is presence. And that's what God gives us. That's what the love of God provides, is that Jesus promises to be with us, and that gives us the peace that we need. Philippians 4, 7, it says this. It says, because you belong to Christ Jesus, God is gonna bless you with a peace that no one can fully understand. And this peace will control the way you think and feel. This is the kind of peace that we need. This is when we have no reason, no explanation, no understanding, and even with all the uncertainty that's happening around us, and even with all the questions of why God, and why this, and why now, Even in those moments, the love of God will give us peace that we just can't explain. You know, there's this final moment with Jesus when he was sitting around the table with the disciples. And as he's gathered with them for this last meal, I'm sure he's looking at these disciples and he's thinking to himself, y'all are not going to understand what's going to happen next. Like, y'all are here, we're having this great meal, we're having this great time together. This is one of the final moments that we're going to have. And Jesus knows what's coming next with the execution and the burial and the death and everything that's about to happen. He's looking at these guys and he's thinking to himself, you're going to want an explanation and you're not going to have one. And you're not going to understand. And it's going to look really weird. And you're going to probably raise your fist to heaven and just want to know why. Why have I given three years just to have Jesus die? It doesn't make sense. Imagine, imagine going from a pleasant meal to the kiss of death so quickly. So Jesus looks at the disciples and he says this in John 14, 27. He says, I can give you something. I'm going to give you peace. And it's the kind of peace that only I can give. It's not going to be like the peace that this world can give. So don't be worried and don't be afraid. He's looking at his disciples and he's like, you're gonna want an explanation and you're not gonna have one. And it's not gonna make sense and you're gonna be experiencing a whole lot of pain. But in the middle of all of that, here's what I can promise. I'm gonna promise that I will give you peace. And that, that's better than anything this world can give you. You see, I think that this story and I think this verse 
is a good reminder to us as Christians that God's love, it doesn't exempt us from bad things happening to us, right? We're, we still have to face pain and suffering in this world. Christians have the same problems as non-Christians, but the difference for us is that when we know the love of God, when we understand that we've been accepted and we're a part of God's family, then what we're promised is a peace through it all that goes beyond our understanding. And that's what we really need. The fourth point, the fourth point is that I have more courage to fit into God's plan. Okay, I've got more courage to fit into God's plan. When someone loves you enough to believe in you, it motivates you, right? It gives you additional power. It gives you additional energy. You know, sometimes when I think back on starting this church and everything that we've been through, the ups and the downs, and how many times I had no idea what was coming next. And to be able to keep moving forward, you know, there's nothing better for me than to have Shannon's love and support and approval the whole time just motivating me giving me the courage to move forward. You see, same thing happens when we understand that God loves us, that we're a part of God's family. It gives us the boost that we need. And here's why I bring that up, is because for some of us, we may know the next step God wants us to take. You know, we may know that there is a next step with my relationship or with my work or in my family, and this is what God, God is calling me, God is pulling me, but in my mind, I'm scared, and I'm afraid, and I don't know how it's gonna work out, and I think I'm gonna fail at it. But when we know that we're loved by God, that we're accepted by him, it's like the perfect heavenly father standing on the sidelines just cheering you on. It's like, this is it. You've got this. You keep going. You're moving in the right direction. You know, one of my favorite shows that we watch together as a family is America's Got Talent. Anybody else like America's Got Talent? Any other fans? Okay, not many, just me. That's okay, I'm cool with that. Um, but we love to watch that together. And my favorite part are the little kids that sing. And this past year, they had a couple of fantastic singers. And I'm always amazed at these little kids that step out on the stage. And they're able to sing and perform as well as they do. And the ones that have the most confidence, the ones that have the most courage, are the ones that have the parents in the wings just sitting there just beaming and smiling and clapping and just cheering them on, knowing that they're loved. It gives them the courage. That kind of love and support gives us confidence. Look at 1 John 4, 18. It says this. There's no fear in that kind of love that comes from God. Instead, that perfect love of God, it drives out any fear that we have. Man, it just keeps pushing us in life. So no matter what happens Next, no matter what God has planned for us next, just know that he's there. He's with you. He loves you because you're in his family. He wants the best for you so that he can receive glory through your life. He's cheering you on. And when you know that, and when you remember that, it changes things. And that leads me to the last one. The last one is this. When I remember God's love, I worship more and I worry less. That's what we need to do. We need to worship more and worry less. And let me share, you know one good way to know that you have forgotten God's love? Like one good way to know, like I need to be reminded of God's love. I need to be reminded that I'm a child of God because I am somehow, I'm not feeling the love of God. One of the ways that you can know that your love tank is a little low on your end is because you're worrying. When you worry, you have forgotten how much God loves you. 
And you have forgotten that perfect fit that he has for your life. You see, worrying is when we pretend that we've got it all on our own, that we're all good all by ourselves. So we got to choose. What we got to choose to do is we got to choose to worship over worry. We talked about this in my Wednesday night group, and we're going to hit it again this next Wednesday night. But here's the deal. You're either going to focus on your problem or you're going to focus on God, and you can't focus on both. Jesus says it this way in Matthew 6. I love this verse. He says, so don't ever worry about tomorrow. After all, tomorrow will worry about itself. I love that. It sounds like somebody that loves you, giving you encouragement, right? I picture God up in heaven, kind of like a parent that has a child that's worried about something. And you know, as a parent, you know how things are going to work out because you've been there before. You've experienced that. You're trying to help them understand. I already know what's in the future because I've been through that myself. It's going to be okay. I imagine God up in heaven with whatever we're worried about. He loves us so much that he already sees what's in tomorrow. And not only just tomorrow, but the next day and the next week and the next month. And so meanwhile, He's just trying to pour his love into our life. And he's just saying, just worship me. You're worried. And I've got it. I got it all under control. In fact, when he says this in Matthew chapter 6, this is the Sermon on the Mount, okay? This is where Jesus has everybody around him. And he's talking about don't worry about tomorrow. And then he goes into that famous part where he's like, look at the birds that are flying. And I just imagine everybody in the crowd, they're just looking up at these birds. And he's like, look at the flowers over there on the side of the hill. He's like, you're God. Put all this together. Jesus goes back to that first point of the whole creation process and how God put all this into motion. And he cares for those birds. And he cares for those flowers. And he's taking care of all that. How much more, Jesus says, does God love you? After all, after all, this whole creation thing, the whole point of all of this was the point to God's glory so that we would know who he is and the point of us being here is to love us. So Jesus is like, how, mu- how much more does God love you? And he cares for you. Be reminded of that love. Because when you do, you'll worship more. And you'll worry less. So the idea of finding the perfect fit in the love of God is a big deal. Because some of you are feeling out of sorts a little bit with God. Maybe it's a weird time that we're in right now, right? And we're feeling a little out of sorts with the church and how to do this whole thing and quarantining and all of that. And sometimes, you know, our feelings get jacked up and they kind of go up and they kind of go down and we feel different. But one thing that doesn't change, one thing that doesn't change is God's love. And part of understanding, no matter what happens in the world, no matter what struggles we have, no matter what's going on around us, no matter how bad this pandemic is, and no matter how long it lasts, one thing that never is going to change is your perfect fit in God's family. Knowing that he made you to love you and to be in a relationship with him. And when you get that, when you get that, you begin to understand that I'm accepted No matter what, I begin to realize that no matter what's going on in life, I can ask God for anything that I need because he is that perfect heavenly father that promises to hear me. And when I understand God's love for me, then it gives me more peace no matter what's going on. It gives me more courage to keep moving forward. And don't we need courage today, right? And it gives me less stress. Because right now, things are at an all-time high in every stressor that we could possibly imagine, right? But those things only come 
Those things only promise to us. When we remember that God loves us. Let's pray together. Jesus, we just... This morning we just say, God, thank you for loving us. Thank you for loving us the way that you do. God, it's so humbling to understand that when we read these passages, when we look at this scripture of how you knew us, how you loved us, God, how you had a plan for us. And part of that plan for us was to be in a relationship with you. God, it's why you sent your son to die for us. So that our relationship with you could last for eternity. So that we could continue to be called closer to your presence. So that we could could be called home one day to be with you. God, thank you enough. We can't thank you enough for just loving us like you do. and, And providing a way to be saved through you. God, we also thank you that you forgive us of our sins. God, that you accept us no matter what we've done. And no matter what we do, God, no matter what, even what we do in the future, God, it doesn't change. There's nothing, Scripture says, that could drive a wedge between the love that you have for us, God. And God, we thank you that we can ask you for anything, that you want to be involved in our lives, that you care for us. So God, help us to remember how amazing it is that we get to boldly come into your presence. And God, thank you for the peace in the middle of the pain. God, for the courage that comes when we're scared to take the next steps for whatever you're calling for us next, God. Thank you for all of that. And Jesus, I just pray if there's anybody with us this morning or maybe even watching with us online today that have never experienced that kind of love of God, God, that you would press into them, that they would feel your presence today, and that today would be the day, God, that they pray and they ask you to come into their lives, to forgive them of their sins, so that they can be a part of your family, be a part of the family, God, that you are putting together. And God, for the rest of us, God, maybe we've given our lives to you. Maybe we've accepted the love that comes through your son, Jesus, and we've invited you in our hearts, but for some reason, we're just not feeling it. We've just got all these crazy emotions right now. God, would we just be reminded that nothing changes when it comes to your love? God, that you love us in spite of, that you love us regardless. So God, just help us to live in your love every day. Help us to live in that love. Because when we do, we, we remember how important we are to you. That being in a relationship with you is the first part of finding that perfect fit. It's all part of the plan. And we thank you for that. Jesus, we love you. And we give you everything we have. It's in your name we pray these things. Amen. Amen.